Welcome to this podcast episode. I'm Gabriella Ranka and I'm going to be speaking to Martin Gillespie from Wellness Warriors. Martin works on finding a holistic voice for men in today's world, looking at making men more empathetic, resilient and open, especially in communications with themselves and loved ones. We talk about mental health, physical health, resilience, Martin's journey to wellness and we talk about Wim Hof. I really hope you enjoy listening to this episode. Martin Gillespie, thank you so much for joining me for a conversation today. Martin, what is your, yeah, let's just get started. Thanks for coming. Um, what is your interest in wanting to be a wellness coach and work in that um, mental health space for men? Okay, well, th- thanks, Gabby, for the, for the intro. Um, look, I set up a business called, C- I'm the CEO of Wellness Warriors, and my main interest is the wellness of men in society now um we've got to have a have a voice and i feel that we have lost our voice especially over the last six months with the pandemic but even before that through you know the evolution of life we hold too much in and that causes that can cause illness it can cause marriage breakdown it can cause disillusionment and also a lot of mental health challenges because we're not trained to open up. What do you think that is? You think it's just societal norms about men holding it in and not being taught to express emotions? Where do you think that comes from? Yeah, well, I think and there's a lot of empirical evidence to show it as well that from a young age, we're programmed, one, not to cry, not to show emotions, to toughen up, um, you know, to hold on to onto your your emotive self rather than sharing it. And as we get older and we become parents, we unfortunately fall into that program and we give that to our, our children. If we've got um, boys, we will say to them, you know, just toughen up, etc. And we've got to change that behavior and become more in tune with our divine matter femininity that we're all born with the guys have got it and we have to explore it more and you think that exploring is that emotional space and then opening up to that emotional space will bring you back into the balance in the mental yeah i i, I without shadow of a doubt because you know if you if you take mental wellness especially um for for blokes we're too scared and we're programmed um not to talk about our emotions if I take it, if you could, you know, as you gather from my accent, I'm, I'm originally from Scotland and we don't talk about emotions in a Celtic environment unless we've had one too many lemonades and we'll say, oh, I love you. And here in Australia, we only talk superficially around a barbecue. Um, you know, how are you going? How's your car going? But you don't really talk about how's your body? How are you going? Are you okay? No, it's, it's, it's an area we don't feel comfortable with. And again, I see there's a big gap in the, in, the, in, the, in the mental well-being for guys to open up. Do you think is it that men don't feel comfortable or that they're just not used to being asked those kind of questions? And I'm curious because being a man, when you, if you approach these kind of subjects with a fellow friend, male friend, how do they... How do they respond? Do they close up and, or do they like initially close up and then open up or are they willing to share? Well, 
you, depending on how well you know that person, um, they look at you as if you've got five, five eyes kind of stuff going, what are you talking about? Or what are you smoking? Or you're off your head, right? But then when um, you break down that camouflage and that mask that, that we men have, they look and go, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, there's something wrong with me. There's, or you know, no one's really asked me that question before. And it's funny, just even last night, I was at a meditation class and there was a couple there and the woman, married couple there, and the woman was talking to the guy and I was explaining what I do. And she's going, you need to go and talk to him. You need to go and have a coffee with him. And in order to get men to talk about it, they sometimes need a loved one to give them that little push. Do you think that can be, um, I don't know, that could also have an opposite effect if you have your female you know, partner nagging you or pushing you? Do you think men then would even want to pull back even more? Or do you think that's encouraging? Do you think, yeah, in the male-female relationship, is it encouraging to open up or it can be like, because men are very well known for the cave, right? It's like the cave mentality. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that cave. Well, what is well that? I, th I, th I think the, you know, the, cave? The, the, the cave, I think is, it goes back to primitive ages that we are, we are ingrained to be the provider. We're ingrained to be the hunter. We're ingrained to go out there and always doing, but when we come back, we never, when we come back to the cave, we never actually talk about how we felt, what's going on in our heads, what's going on, more importantly, what's going on in our guts. And we might talk about that later, but what's, what's going on in our own self? Because we're too scared to open up. And I think that there is, there is a lack, and this is something that I'm hoping to offer, there is a lack of safety for men to come and talk and be vulnerable and allow them to open up. And we don't do enough of that. It's definitely feeling vulnerable. I mean, women feel vulnerable doing that as well. And I can only imagine that men have to take that other step to come out of the like internal cave. I'm sure you've all built a little internal space inside where you just retreat to without having to have the external um, cave to, to go back to. But Martin, why do you think men are reluctant to seek mental health and look after themselves in general? Like, what are you, what's the broader view of even physical well-being? A lot of men don't, aren't into fitness and wellness just across the board. I think if you take it through a sort of generation aspect, you know, when, when you're at school, you, you're playing sport, etc., and then you go to university, you, you get your degree, um, you become qualified, then you get into the workforce. And then you basically go nuts as a bloke. Well, females do as well. You go nuts and you think that you have to be, you have to say yes to everything. And a lot of that in the society that we're brought up in involves going to the pub, involves alcohol. And unfortunately, I would also say now involves a lot of recreational drugs. And again, us guys, oh yeah, we'll, we'll do that. We'll, we'll get involved in that, etc. And, you know, Sport, unless you're really involved in it, um, you start having that sedentary lifestyle. You'll, you'll get married, you start having kids, and then you'll start putting excuses to not look after yourself, to not make time for self. And 
making time for self is the most important relationship that you're going to have. And unfortunately, I think guys are lost in that. And what is really quite sad is if you look at the suicide rates um, for males between the age of 30 and 45, it's out of control. Mm. I was just speaking to Postvention, um, Postvention Australia. They do suicide bereavement and grief. I was just talking to them this morning about doing some work for them. And it's um, three times the amount of men commit suicide to women. I find that it's, it's, it's just extraordinary to think that it's so, so much more. And really, what does it stem from? I mean, you believe it's, it's really just not being able to express yourself. The only, there's no other way out if you express yourself. Do you think it's also that, you know, if you do, like, open up, what will happen? Like, you could fall into, fall apart. You know, like you're also holding it together by keeping it all inside. Yeah. Well, I think that goes back to your, your point that you made earlier there, Gabby, that we're told not to cry. And mm. if a bloke is crying over emotions, it's seen as a weakness. Whilst if you're on a soccer field or a sports field and, and someone tackles you and you break your leg, of course you're going to cry. That's a lot of physical pain. But for us blokes to um, demonstrate and um, show emotional pain through tears it's not it's not us it's not part of our society now i'm not saying that every time you open up you have to you know get a big box of kleenex tissues out and start crying but it's actually just checking in and going i don't feel a hundred percent here's a couple of things that are annoying me i want to talk to a bloke about it and i'm not saying i'm going to have all the answers but Blokes have to start talking and communicating more. I totally agree. And I think, um, I know I've said this to you, that, you know, that men, to talk to men, I think, is really imperative and not, maybe that puts a lot of men off if you go to therapy and you just see a whole lot of women, you know, and maybe giving you advice that doesn't sit well with you. Uh, it's, and also, actually, finding a therapist is like finding a partner. It's, it's really, because it's that personal relationship and you really need to find someone that works for you. And I, if I was a man, I'd, oh yeah, like what would it be like to go and talk to a woman about this stuff? Obviously women are used to holding this space of allowing a man to open up emotionally and maybe they feel less judged by a woman. Or if they can speak to a man, a man knows where they're coming from. You don't have to explain, like you don't have to, you know, pick apart what it is because you, as a man, you're just immediately understand those issues that men have? Well, I think, and I'm going to take you on a little journey. Over the last sort of eight, 10 years, I've seen quite a few therapists. Um, I've dealt with marriage breakdown, I've dealt with serious illness, and I've, I, I needed some help. And I remember um, I was diagnosed with stage four cancer back in 2012. And when I walked into my hematologist um, consulting, office, consulting rooms, when he told me I would stage four, um, the first thing I did was started crying. And he said, look, Martin, you're fine. You're going to see a counselor tomorrow. And I'd never really seen a counselor before. And I was thinking, I don't need to see anyone. I'm fine. I'm stoic. I'm Scottish. I can handle this. And I was so scared. And I was so petrified that how dare someone come into my space to tell me what to do. Without that help, I would say that I would not be here. Hmm, that's wow, amazing. 
and then and even like being confronted like that and I think that's very I just that if a man was confronted with that and wasn't willing to go there you think they're the ones that would take the steps to maybe end their life but they just couldn't manage opening up and expressing themselves like when you say that saved your life what is about that to save your life that you opened up and it just changed your life i'm assuming you changed your inner world up until that point yeah willing right is that look i um i was you know on that treadmill of life um you know to to share with you and i know that we've shared this um off camera but you know 2012 my marriage had broken down six weeks later diagnosed with cancer and getting getting help was 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 no mean feat and i remember walking into for the first time and um the psychologist said to me martin welcome to a new beginning and i was like well wait a minute i'm dealing with this and she's going no you're actually living a better life and i'm going and it took me a little while to understand it and I'm going, well, wait a minute. I was on a path. Now it's changed. And I've got to accept that change. And it became going to see the psychologist was far more engaging than going to get chemotherapy. But it also became part and parcel of a jigsaw puzzle. And over the years, I've went to see, uh, I think it's either eight or 10 psychologists, because you make a good point there. There are certain psychologists that are good for certain parts of your journey that you're going through in life. The only downside that I have found with seeing some psychologists is that sometimes it's a very cookie cut approach that you go into their office, you spend the first consultation, they're just getting to know you, what your expectations are, and within 45 minutes, it's done, and they'll charge you hundreds of dollars. And then they repeat this process and they're almost looking at the clock all the time as opposed to looking at you. And I recall one time being in a very, very dark space and um, there was lots of things going on. I was getting lots of, still going through chemotherapy and trying to recover and trying to change my mentality from a victim to a, a survivor. And I remember going to see, um, and I'm going to be quite local here, I remember going to see a psychologist in Manly in the Northern Beaches, and um, he said to me, sort of third time, he was very old school, and um, he said to me, Martin, do you have a pair of swimmers or a pair of shorts in your bag, in your car with you? And I said, yeah, of course I have. You know, it's a beautiful day. I'm going to go, you know, you're going to try and get some sun. He said, get out my office, get them on, get into the water and get on with your life. And wow. it was that tough love that I actually needed at that point to stop feeling as if I was in a washing machine. And it, at that moment in time, it kind of took me from feeling here to feeling there. And, you know, I got more in tune with my feelings and started listening to my body more and listening to the changes that were happening to me. And that's when I really started looking at what can I do in my control to help me become a better person. That's incredible. I mean, that's an incredible life story, what you've had and how that's put you on this path and wanting to help others and particularly in the male wellness and health and, and um, mental health space. So, Martin, what is it about like that tough love? Is that, I mean, that really built resilience, would you say? Is that something that you gained from that interaction? Is that something that 
really became a part of your path? Yeah, look, I think that resilience is, is really the core of what I can see that um, as males, we don't know what resilience actually is. We think we know what it is, but it, it, it's got to be tailor-made to that individual. If I can share with, with some of my experiences, you know, I'm from Glasgow. You've got to be quite resilient. Um, you've got a beautiful aspect of education is the way forward. Get yourself a good education. But education can also mean streetwise education. And I think there's a real lack of that balance now because, I mean, when I was 11, 12, I would be delivering newspapers. And I know that, you know, I'm showing my age now that we don't really have newspapers anymore. Delivering newspapers to houses to earn some money so that I could get things. Now there's a real aspect of, money just appears for kids, right? So you don't, you don't have that same resilience from such a young age. And technology has advanced so much that, you know, look at the power of your, te of your own telephone compared to what 25 years ago when, you know, laptop computers were the, the, the norm. So society has changed an awful lot. And we've got to be resilient to change with that process and also be thought leaders to go, well, wait a minute, I want to be a pioneer in this space. But as guys, we are a little bit lost. And that's where I think that there is a real need for men to engage with, with each other to go, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that, and really touch into their feelings, not about what smartphone they have, whether it be Android or Apple or another, those materialistic aspects don't really matter. If you don't have faith in yourself, you're not going to be the best person and the best example of yourself for yourself and for your loved ones. So Martin, explain what you go on that journey. What, what would people come to, um, what would they expect if they came to see you? It sounds like you're into the more um, more progressive, what I consider a more progressive state of health and well-being. Um, yeah, what would people what would people get from coming to see you? Um, they would get a very customized um, and tailored service. And remember, this is for the long run. It's not like um, dare I say it, you have a hangover, you take a couple of paracetamol, and you feel much better, right? This is not a quick fix. This is something that. Um, when people come to see me, they will have to do some of the homework themselves. I'll give you an example. I'm coaching um, someone in the UK, and um, I got that person, it's, it's a female, I got her to write down all the food that she eats during, during the day. And we worked out that she's eating too much sugar in the morning, therefore in the afternoon, she'll supplement that with more sugar to keep her going. And lo and behold, she's only getting five to six hours sleep a night. So we're looking at changing the diet, but also looking at putting in some supplements so that that person can get seven to eight hours sleep a night. And really looking at the aspect of what else is happening in your, in your life. You know, food is one aspect, nutrition, sleep. Sleep is one of the key things that, um, we are given on a daily basis that we don't take advantage of. Ah, guess what? It's free. And 
we don't use that as mother nature's aspect to say rest, recover, heal, and you'll perform better the next day. When I was a little kid, um, our parents instilled in us that for every hour you go to sleep before midnight counts as two hours after midnight. Now, I don't know if that was just um, some kind of parenting that my parents thought was effective, but there is research to prove that, that for those people getting between seven and eight hours sleep, they will outperform those who don't get it. And I would also say that it doesn't matter, although I'm pitching towards men's wellness, it doesn't matter if you're a male or a female, I'd be open to both because females should be coming to people like myself to say, my brother or my son or my husband or my father is feeling this and getting some of the awareness and education out there is critically important. And so where are you really focused? Are you focused on the physical first and then, or do you believe it's like mindset that you have to shift your mindset first and, or is it tailored to how you see that person, what they require? So it's more holistic than that, Gabby. It's, you know, there's a, I was going to say there's a process. So we as human beings, we eat every day. So nutrition is, is number one, in my opinion. And if you're not eating a rainbow of colors every day, well, that's a clear signal that there's something wrong with your food intake. And we eat with, our, with all our senses. And one of, the, one of the key aspects, if you look at it from, from a guy's point of view, guys over the age of 35 start getting too much visceral fat around their core, around their belly. Thus, they get the aspect of beer belly. Now, if you're getting beer belly at that, from that age, the prognosis of illness is a lot higher. So really want to give some really simple tools that people can expect to go, what sleep have you got? What job do you have? What's going on in your stressful life? Where's your stress coming from? Because oxidative stress has a massive impact on your blood flow, in your fight or flight, your parasympathetical nervous system, and it will prevent you from relaxing properly. So there's got to be a few kind of aspects that will come into it. Um, one of the aspects that you look at now with the global pandemic is that, unfortunately, people are drinking too much alcohol. Please go and get a blood test every six months to see where you're at would be my other aspect and get friendly with your friendly GP. Ask questions. One other piece of advice is stay away from Dr. Google. It doesn't work. <laughs> Dr. Google just instills a fear, doesn't it? <laughs> Dr. Google, when I, when I was diagnosed with stage four um, cancer, my hematologist said, rule number one, stay away from D Dr. Google. Rule number two, Obey rule number one. It's like, okay, got it. <laughs> like Fight Club. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fight, Club, Fight Club philosophy from your hematologist. <laughs> Martin, um, I'd like to just touch on Wim Hof because I, Wim Hof's actually a big part of my life. I don't know if I told you that before. I do his breathing every day and I did a weekend, oh no, a week, weekend one day workshop with Johannes. And I know you just went on that experience. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Because I, um, I really love that. I love that that's um, something that people are into right now. And I love that it's, a, it's very male dominated, that space. 
obviously Wim is very masculine and what he's brought to the world with all his research. I find him fascinating. I find him a fascinating character. But I really, um, I really love that breathing, like the deep breathing and how that can just enliven the body and mind. And I just do the 11 minutes of three rounds of breathing and then holding your breath. And yeah, so I'd really like to hear a bit more about that weekend you just had in the Snowy Mountains. So for those who are not too familiar with the Wim Hof, the Wim Hof movement is really, as you rightly said, Gabby, around about breathing and actually putting your mind to extreme conditions because if you change your mindset, you can change your life. And it was actually a very good friend, and he's still a friend, who said to me, let's go on this weekend away. And I'm thinking, oh, fantastic, snowy mountains. He said, have a look at it before you commit to it. So I had a look at it and went, wow, this looks fa fabulous. The great thing was it was um, early July and it was a mixed group of about 30 of us. Um, and when we arrived, there was obviously some snow there. So, you know, the child and all of us started coming out. We started having snowball fights, et cetera, to break the, break the ice, so to speak. Then we got ready and we went on a hike um, just to get to know people and know the surroundings. And one of the first things that we managed to do was actually hike in silence. And the power of silence and breathing is incredible, especially when you're outside. You don't know anyone, but you're in your own thoughts. Um, that was, I found that very powerful. And then we were seduced down to the lake. Um, we we're in a place called Guthika, which is just south of Perisha in the Snowy Mountains. And we started playing some tug-of-war games, some warm-up exercises, and then we stripped down to our um, swimmers. The water was approximately minus four, um, and that's uh, rather cold. <laughs> but I walked in with the other 30 people, and it was as if we were walking into the beach at Manly. Um, walked in, no problem, up to our shoulders, and then we all went into a, a beautiful circle, and we started oming as if we were in a yoga class and the energy and the vibration of sound through the water kept us warm. Um, and then the following day, um, before breakfast, we found this gorgeous waterfall. That was minus six that we went in, stripped down into the water, felt so clean. It was incredible. And then in the afternoon, we went um, on a four-hour hike. And um, again, uh, most of us hiked in Speedos or swimwear. And you think this is absolutely crazy. You don't feel the cold. It's a misconception, in my opinion, that your, your body thinks, oh, it's cold. Yes, we had gloves on, hat on, boots on, but your body can withstand those elements. And it is incredible when you come back off the mountain, you give your, your, your partner or your, your friend a hug kind of stuff and you go, wow, what have we done? And remarkably, just to put another hook here actually, Gabby, over the last several years, I've been studying with a private college called ACNAM, Australasian College of Nutritional Environmental Medicine. And they had a virtual conference just recently, which I was part of, um, part of the participants. And there was a lecture on Wim Hof's breathing technique and how that can help apply the mindset throughout 
illness. So it's oh, been absolutely yeah. fantastic. Yeah, that's great. And so, but you hadn't heard of Wim Hof until your friend introduced you. No, right? I, I yeah. heard about the, the movement over the last sort of 12, 12 18 months about ice baths, etc. And, um, you know, I thought it was all a bit cold, to be honest, <laughs> to go into ice baths. I was thinking, oh, you're, you're off your head. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say, I don't feel like I need another ice bath in my life. I, I enjoyed, well, I don't know if I enjoyed it, but I'm glad I've had the experience. But I definitely learned, yeah, embracing the cold because how we become soft, not, um, you know, being with the elements, being with nature. It's always about mollycolling ourselves and wrapping up in blankets and putting heaters on. And I, I used to be one of those people like that. And then since I did the workshop with Johannes, I will go down to the beach and have a, a quick dip like at this time of year. And it's so, you feel so alive, like the aliveness that you feel from embracing the cold is something I just, you know, didn't know I was missing. And, um, and I've loved how, I just think it's interesting when you find someone and they pop up in your life, like you said, now it's part of the college curriculum or it's part of, it was a presentation. And I love what um, he's proven through his research um, you know, about how much more we have over, much more power we have and control over our immune system and especially at a time like this when people are concerned about getting a virus, but what you can actually do to boost your immunity. And I can't remember what Johannes said about when you get out of the ice bath, you get like a, I think it's like the reward center goes off in your brain. <laughs> Not because you, I know, taking yourself out of, um, danger I suppose in some way because it is very it's very confronting I think I said to you I felt like I was going to be the first person who's going to die in an <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah just what a fantastic experience yeah and definitely it a resilience is, building right that's really look, I think it's, resilience it's it's certainly something that um I'm so glad that I've managed to do it. Also so glad to do it with a mate that we can share that experience. And um, I've made some great friends through it as well. Um, and it opens up a level of vulnerability that you don't know what you can do until you actually do it. And you can take that, those kind of messages in, into, into many things. And I think you make a great point about um, the current situation that we're in. Um, you know, we've got lockdown in certain parts of the world, etc. Well, why not start having cold showers in the morning to build a little bit of that different mindset and a different challenge. And, you know, if you're blessed with living in a family unit at the moment, get your family to do ice showers or cold showers in the morning and see how you feel after a few days. All right. Just yeah. a simple little tool. It won't cost you anything. It, it actually won't cost you anything at your electricity. I did them. Your all electricity will come down. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, That's you know, cool. <laughs> you, won't, you won't have that, you know, that, that typical Parrington. There's no hot water left. <laughs> so, you know, there, there's a simple little tool. So you, you've asked yeah. me, you know, what, what would clients expect and where I would go? This, these are types of the things that you've got to have fun with what you're doing in wellness. And I think that, unfortunately, we've gone down still we go down too much of a functional path. And this is where I, I think that there's a massive shift in energy. If you take it in, in Australia to become a medical practitioner, a doctor, you will spend six years at university. You will do between 12 and 20 hours of nutrition. 
It's, that's just astounding. It's great there. That's like, you know, that's quite, it's really, when you think about you going to a GP, how can they give you an overall health assessment if they don't look at your nutrition? It's, it's mind blowing. One, one of the progressive steps that's come out of COVID though, I have to say, and it's, it's great that the Australian government is doing this, they are spending $2.5 million in looking at the Australian diet behavior. Okay. Right. So we have been, um, I don't know if you recall several years ago, we had things like the Australian heart tick on certain meats, etc. That was a bit of a smoke screen in many ways, just to try and get more people buying meat. Right. And I'm, you know, I'm not going to use this as an aspect of is vegan better than meat diet is paleo better than keto. Again, this is all individual choice that you can make. And it's what works for you and your family unit as well, which is critically important. Um, one of the other aspects where I don't think, um, you know, you made a good point. You go to, it's very easy to go to the GP thinking that they'll have all the answers. They're human beings as well. They're struggling right now. And people don't realize that they have got families at home that are going through the same aspect as what we're going through right now. So there's a bit of kind of self-care that's needed for those people as well. Our GPs are massively overrun and they're under a lot of pressure. They work in many of the medical centers are corporations and they have, you know, they have um, projected numbers, figures that they have to get to for the center and that kind of thing. I guess it was just more that they don't have that nutrition, but why that's not part of the medical model, just a GP model is, um, yeah, I hope that changes in the future. Well, and most of the, a lot of the doctors that I've, uh, I associate with have said, oh, when it came to nutrition during a study, they just went to the pub. That was their nutritional um, time. And I'm like, wait a minute, you know, you've got people coming to you about this and um, they're going, well, we're more interested in functional medicine. Yeah, yeah, and that's what. So there's got to be a, a systemic, a systemic change, and I think you know, going back to a point that you mentioned earlier, I think when you look at um, well-being, I think that there's got to be a systemic change that we've got to go even further than that and and start talking about it at preschool and at kindy, mm. and changing those behaviours will change the outcome of our society. That's so true. Um, yeah, you've nope. got to start with kids. Yeah, so you've got to start in the education system. Yeah, definitely. I think that with there's not enough education well. or awareness. Yeah, there's some fantastic um, work done by organisations such as Are You Okay, Beyond Blue, etc., which is fabulous. Some of it is quite reactive, but again, this is something that I'm hoping to offer in in terms of more individualistic. Um, pathways that people can take and again they can take it as a, as a bloke and they can start um, sharing it with their loved ones and, uh, and with their families. Yeah and also you know we don't expect schools know that parents aren't going to teach their kids algebra or you know English or reading like they know that's their job so why not actually teach them how to look after their health and well-being and mental health and I think that's got to be something you can't expect your parents to be, the parents always to be teaching the kids everything. Parents don't know everything as well that there is out there to be taught to kids. And the education system can take that lead and 
And I think starting kids with mindfulness in kindy, uh, I just think that I'd love to see that. And there's more and more of that happening, I know, but when that becomes part of the school curriculum, which I think it became part of the school curriculum in the UK a couple of years ago, uh, I think that's brilliant. I mean, it's just a way of training your mind to be present, to be calm, to overcome emotions, to be centred and still. So, Mum, just, um, yeah, look, what's next for you? I, what's next for the Wellness Warrior and oh, yeah, what are you up what, to? What, what's next for me? Well, um, there's a couple of things in, in, in flight at the moment. Um, my goal, I would love to get onto the, the TEDx and actually talk about a lot more of some of the um, challenges that I've gone through and also share that and open up men to talk. Um, I've got a book. Um, I'm halfway through writing a book, which I'm hoping will be, uh, it won't be ready for Christmas, unfortunately, but uh, that'll, be, that'll be next. And really the, the ambition actually would be taking technology and um, where we are and having applications that we can get on on the phone to get a global network of a million men talking about wellness wow. would be the ultimate would be the ultimate. i would love to try and do that in three years it's yeah. it's a big big goal but i think now is the time for change and you know don't be shy at asking questions don't be shy at coming forward don't be shy at thinking i can't answer that i'm going to come across as soft or you know stupid no release that fear and become more empathetic mm. yeah gosh man that's great goals really really setting the bar high for yourself which is fantastic tedx huh have you looked into that already or yeah so i i have and um you know I've, I, as, as said you know I've, I've done some presentations on this um last year i was lucky enough to uh, present at the ruk day with the company i was with at the time um, most organizations that I've been with have been part of the wellness committee. Um, TEDx is something that I would like to get so that I can promote that conversation to take it to the million dollar men network within three years. Yeah, well, good luck with all your, your goals and I hope you come back and have a chat again in the future, hear more about your book and how you're going with that app that'd be great thanks so much for your time thanks for joining look me. gabby thanks very much for your time and um hope you have a great day you too take care martin bye take care cheers bye